0: hey what's up facebook hey excited you guys are on here uh we're gearing up for a little question time We've got my beautiful wife diane my first wife and only wife and um so what we're gonna do we're gonna jump in some questions here in a little bit but just uh, want to get you guys on here and uh we are down at lake the ozarks as you can see so you may hear some uh, giant boats drive by or um whatever else so anyway um Diane has joined me on her wonderful break from work. She's working remotely today, so I said, I'm going to steal you. Jump in. So, let's see. Yeah, I'm not, I'm so old. Can't work this thing anymore. <laughs> That's what old people do. They just cover the camera, like with their phone. So, let's see. There we go. So we're gonna jump in with you guys' questions. So last week we did a message on what happens beyond this life. Uh, super powerful. Lots of thoughts on there. Um, you guys asked numerous questions. So what we're gonna do. We formatted this with uh, hello, one person. Hey. Jamie, you better hang on to the end, Freddie. I got your angel question coming. You got a bonus round. Um, so we're gonna take five minutes apiece for each question. Diane's got her phone set up with a timer she's going to show everybody i don't want to steal her thunder uh, yeah so then you can interact a little bit so you can jump in with questions so um so last week we talked about what's life what happens beyond this life so we talked about live like you're dying we quoted a little tim mcgraw and then uh kind of with live like you're dead now alive and the only thing that you go to heaven are the bible and people and so we're gonna jump in Diane is going to tell us the first question.
1: Okay, so the first question is Why do I need to be a Christian now? Why not live my life, become a Christian, and then go to heaven later after I accept Jesus? So, I'm
0: setting your timer, go. Go. Hey, by the way, thanks, Kelsey, for jumping on. Um, yeah, jump in with the question um, Why be a Christian now? Uh, yeah, the purpose of this question is really, really kind of interesting. It's like, hey, I don't want to really follow Jesus. So I just want to do my thing and then follow Jesus right before I die so I can go to heaven. So it's like a get out of hell, free pass kind of thing, kind of question. So I guess a few reasons that why you should know Jesus now. Number one, you have no idea when you're going to die. <laughs> I mean, literally like at any moment. So like, how could you plan that out? Like I was thinking who this may work for is like the thief on the cross. By the way, what's up, Kristen? I mean... Not that he planned for it, but, man, God's providence. Like, how lucky was he to be crucified next to Jesus? It could have be been anybody else in the whole world. Um, I'll give you a verse. This is really good. So your role in heaven is directly related to what you do on this side of eternity. And so it's Revelation 22, 12. It says, Behold, I'm coming soon. This is Jesus talking. Bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. There's a day where we actually sit in front of God. We're going to talk about later in more depth. And this idea of a judgment seat, not to judge all our sins, but to receive rewards. And so um, it's important that we live for Christ. Now the whole mission of the gospel is to make disciples. So it's like, I don't know, this whole get a hell of free pass is kind of weird to me. Um, And then this is what happens during the judgment, 1 Corinthians 3, 12. Now if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire. This is interesting. And the fire will test what is set, what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. So if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And so everything we do on this side of eternity is going to be measured by this fire. Things that are for God are going to last and things that are will fall apart. What's up, Jess? I like that you're watching. That's awesome. So I think the reality is just missed out the things of God if you're not going to follow God now. Like, if you knew Jesus was real and you're like, I don't want to believe it until, it makes no sense. Diane's got a really good thought, I think. Yeah, dude. I
1: think kind of what I think about, I, like, the movie Schindler's List, and if you haven't seen it, watch it, it's great. But, like, Schindler gets to the end of the movie and he starts seeing everything in his life of, like, Oh man, like that's one more thing I could have done to like help or save one more Jew. And I think that you know in our life, it's really it's not the things that we did that are going to be so meaningful when you die and when you go to heaven. you see him. It's going to be the stuff I didn't do that's really the hardest for me. Like, oh, if you would have just taken this opportunity, you could have done this, or you know. And I think that that's just really hard. Really, the premise of the question is kind of like, why do I need to be a Christian now? Why not live life? And it kind of comes out at it, this angle that like following Jesus is just this long set of lists or rules. But it's really like following Jesus is like the most fulfilling way to live your life. Not just this list of do's and don'ts that you have from like this magical rule book. You know, following God's not religion, it's a relationship with Jesus. And we're it got choppy all here. of
0: a sudden. We're in a twister.
1: <laughs> so it's not this idea of like, well, I can't do whatever I want when I follow Jesus. It's like I can, but I am. Sorry, there's a. <laughs>
0: I've turned the camera around, but it's inappropriate.
1: <laughs> just one of our kids my, walking around without any pants My, my on son him. just I,
0: is, uh, he's it's proud. Good. It's good. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I don't mean
1: they're off to go check. He's come this way,
0: though, so it's going to be good. <laughs> not
1: that I can't do whatever I want when I follow Jesus, but really that, like, life is the most fulfilling when I follow him, and so... Why not start living that way now, having like the best, most out of life that I can? So let me, what's up, Eric? I'm Eric, gonna go what's check up? On this, uh, it, it's about game.
0: to get real yeah. raw yeah. and authentic. So <laughs> I love it. Go. Hey, we still got 55 seconds we on this awesome. question. So you guys got any more questions about that? Why follow Jesus now instead of waiting? It like common sense, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, <laughs> here's the better question. Why can't I do whatever I want to do instead of following Jesus? Uh, it kind of misses out on the whole premise. You know, there's a lot of guys like. Hey, what if Martin Luther King just waited until the end of his life to start following God? You know, Mueller just waited to the end of his life. You know, what if these missionaries, what if the person who led us to Christ just waited? It's it's just a terrible question to even think through. But um, let's see. Great question, just kind of a terrible premise. All right, this is a really heavy one. A lot of people ask this question, so um, right on time here. I'm going to restart this this clock so I can. Here's a second. It's kind of, a, I combined some questions up here. So somebody asked, do babies, toddlers, mentally handicapped, etc., go to heaven when they die? So it's a really, really significant question. Uh, what does the Bible say that happens to babies or children that die before grasping the concept of sin? And what happens to people who don't understand sin, like the mentally disabled or people who are too young to know about sin when they die? So there's like three questions people had on this. So this is kind of a heavy one. And so I think there's a key passage that's uh, really important. Um, for us to, to look through. I mean, the Bible obviously talks about Jesus dying for all our sins. Um, and the Bible says there's no one that's innocent. It's pretty clear in, in, uh, in Romans, which we're gonna talk about here in a little bit too. But for all of sin, the Bible says in Psalm, uh, Psalm 51, they're all shapen or formed in iniquity. So there's like no innocent person in the world. So what happens when somebody's not old enough to grasp all that or mentally not capable of grasping that? So there's a passage and it's hard to make a theology out of just this narrative, but David's son passes away. And I want to read through kind of some thoughts on this. So it's in 2 Samuel 12, 21 through 23. So the context of the verse is King David, he has committed adultery with Bathsheba, uh, resulting in pregnancy. The prophet Nathan was sent to him to inform David that because of his sin, the Lord would take his first child in death. So David responded by grieving and praying once the child was taken and died David's mourning ended so David's servants were surprised like why isn't David upset anymore and King David said what is this that you've done while a child was alive you fasted and wept but the child died and he rose and ate and you ate food you stopped breathing and so David said this while the child was still fully alive I, I fasted and wept, or wept and I said who knows the Lord may be gracious to me that the child may live but now that he's died why should I fast can i bring him back again i shall go to him and he shall come to me in return and so here's this passage where david has lost his child and he specifically says he is going to go see his kid again so his kids not come back to life obviously david knows god and so here's this premise or this theological thought that if you're not old enough or have the capability to understand understand sin then you're not accountable for not having that ability and so some people call it the age of innocence or the age of accountability. Now, when is that for different people? Um, That's kind of dependent on the person. I really like, I know Spurgeon even said, like a kid who's five or six years old could know, uh, could understand Jesus. It just gonna depend on each individual person. And then they're like, obviously level. Um, You know, Jesus, kids came running to Jesus and disciples tried to push them away. And then uh, Jesus said, hey, hey, don't stop the kids from coming to me because they have childlike faith. There's just something that kids know. They believe what they what they see. They believed in Jesus when they saw him. Um, and so based on David, that's kind of where we get the idea of age of accountability. And so if you've had a miscarriage or you've had a, a child or, or somebody's mentally um, handicapped, you know, the belief is they go to heaven. That's where we stand on it. Um, so, but we don't believe in like, that's why I don't believe in infant baptism because you, you just, you get baptized after you know jesus so they wouldn't have a comprehension of that um let's see one minute, and 30 seconds on that question left we're killing it i know anybody's got any questions on that or other thoughts i guess i could uh there we go get questions up again all right we're gonna get ahead of schedule um all right this is a tricky question i wish diane was here for this one but she's running down the ramp of the dock don't trip she gone oh by the way behind me you can see we put some limb lines out back there maybe we'll catch another 40 pound catfish who knows you know who knows are you back yes was it an emergency yes did it involve wipes yes yes multiple
1: children sharpies were involved oh they wow poop
0: and start investigation. I
1: did a lot of work and whatever that like, was. You missed
0: it? No, it was longer because I yeah. timed it. Okay. But we missed the entire question. That's all right. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: What's up,
0: Chastity? Oh, Chastity's on here. I like that. All right. So chime in with question or comment or anything. Um, answering questions okay. you guys send in from Sunday take about five minutes apiece. We're starting to clock. Next question. So I'll let Diana start this one. This is, i give you the easy one. <laughs> what about people? who never had the gospel share with them, they had no access to the Bible, no missionaries, what happens um, to them when they die?
1: Yeah, so that's a really hard question. And I think the Are you ant- looking at me like,
0: why do you throw me in the bus?
1: Yes, welcome back from the poop, you <laughs> know, the poop catastrophe of 2021, and here he's throwing me in the bus. But, no, I think that, um, man, the question I was just talking about before I got interrupted, like, the very first question, like, why not just do whatever I want with my life? Um, whenever I want, and this is the this is the reason why you don't. Like the first question that we all ask ourselves is like, what happens to people who don't have the gospel? Well, That's it really, why it right? should be the first question yeah, you should ask yourself. Sure. Like, I became
0: a Christian. I should go share this.
1: Yeah, like why start a church why be a missionary why any of this stuff like why live my life and tell my co-workers about Jesus because if they don't hear about Jesus then they um, you know have the possibility of not spending eternity with God which we really believe is like the best thing for your life um, it says in Romans 1 20 that since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse and so you think about this kind of in theory like say there was a person now there's no innocent person we know sin is passed down from people so every person has sin Um, but say there's somebody living totally remote part of the world and they've never heard the exact gospel of what jesus did for their sin um you know and kind of all of this backstory of they've never heard about jesus they've never had the gospel introduced to them um the bible says there in romans one that really like just seeing the creation of god you know, lead you to this idea that there has to be a bigger power of something in this world. You know, Sean's mentioned before, like every religion of the world has a flood story. There's things that you see kind of all throughout history and all throughout even different religions of man trying to figure out. thinking well, more like the stars points to you know, the creation. Who God is. Yeah,
0: look, I mean, all creations point to a creator. That's, yeah. that's the point. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and so it's just kind of you know with that in the Bible. So say there's somebody who's never heard of God, or you know, God. God knows we aren't ever going to be somebody to understand what somebody knows about, you know, the redemption of their soul. But really, I think the question I always ask myself with that is like, what am I doing to make that difference for people who've never heard the gospel?
0: Yeah. And the theory is if somebody recognizes there is a creator, that there is, like like she talked about, the invisible qualities of God, the eternal power, and the divine nature have been clearly seen. Like you can see God's handiwork. You can see who it is, his essence, his organization. That there isn't just random chance although we like to people like to make it out to be a random chance but there's just no random chance to that i mean scientifically impossible but you recognize there's there's this god and so there's a theory and it is a theory um that if somebody does recognize that there is a creator that god will send somebody send a message to these people of hope god's always had a witness through all creation so what's up christy bowman um but he's always had a witness so like obviously during creation god's presence is there um during like the uh, that stage between the law it's so like noah all the patriarchs you'd have like holy spirit um there's this law real in their heart then you're gonna have the law given the israelites in the old testament were actually like meant to be on mission to show off god to the world and reach the gentiles and they did a terrible job at it and which is why god they're always getting in trouble but there are witnesses for him. Uh, New Testament, well, Jesus came, and then it's us. So the church is the witness to the world in this season of of timeline of eternity. And then there's the Holy Spirit. And then uh, when bad things start happening, rapture, tribulation, the Holy Spirit's removed. And then there's 104,000 Jews that are sent out to the whole world. Some asked that question last week, or it was last week. And then there's the two witnesses at the the wailing wall. And so then the Word of God. And that word of God's endured forever. So like there's God's always has a witness in every generation, every time period, it doesn't leave people on their own. It doesn't want anybody to perish. But I think that question should drive us. Like what happens to people who don't know Jesus? I mean it's like the very first thing you should do as a Christian is ask yourself that question. Like the gospel wasn't doesn't stop with you. It kind of the first question we talked about, like why become a Christian? It's like because people need Jesus, you know? So here here's some stats. Unreached people groups. So latest estimate suggests there are 7,400 people groups. So these are different ethnicities, like subcultures uh, throughout the world. Um, 7,400 people groups who are considered unreached. So that means over 40% of the world's population, of uh, world's people groups, have no indigenous community of believers. So they don't have a church, and they have no way to evangelize. Ugh. Time is up. I'm sorry. I have to move on. I'm just getting So we'll finish with the question, but real fast. So there's 40% of the world's population does not have a representation for Jesus. So as Bible translation agencies we've heard the Joshua Project. They says 1,800 languages that don't have a definite translation of the Bible. And so there's 1,800 different speaking languages, the primary languages, that need the translation. There's a lot to say about bringing that word of God to people. And so you're looking at a large percentage of the world who needs Jesus. And so the role of the question is, if you're asking that question, my suggestion would be just, it's time to go. Live on mission where you're at. Maybe God's calling you to something bigger. Maybe it's not to be a church, but just disciple making, just pointing people to Jesus, growing people like Jesus grew people. And for some of you, it does mean packing your stuff and going somewhere to reach somebody. And there's there's lost people all around us and all around the world. So there's a great movie called Etal. I'll just say, look it up, because it's all about, they become Jesus followers, and they start asking, what about the next drive?" and they all just go out, literally, to go to build Jesus. All right, five minutes. We'll start the next one. Okay. Marco, thanks for being on here, buddy.
1: So we're starting. So um, the next question sent in was, I know God loves me and accepts me. Why does it feel like God is a zillion miles away when the storms come? Um, I think that that's a great question. I was thinking we had the chance we got to go um, out and we've been doing some hiking lately and We were walking along this trail that none of us had ever been on before and I was walking with um, Jack holding his hand and Emery got to get a ride on um, Daddy's back which was she was for her. She was living the, the dream like a you know, Usually
0: I carry Diane the whole time, yeah, but right. I decided to pick up Emery
1: <laughs> She was like a uh, you know Egyptian princess getting drum draw- brought through the forest, but Jack was kept trying to hold on to my hand just like this. He's like, No, mommy, I'm just going to hold your finger like this when he kept letting go. Um, yes, there's like this. Yes, like that. And then we'd walk over something hard and he'd stumble and he'd let go of me and it's falling. I said, Jack, I want to teach you something. And so I held on to his hand and I was like, Jack, try to let go of my hand. And he tried to let like, go of my hand, and he couldn't get out. And then he got, really had to try hard to get out. That was his new goal. Like, I can do it, Mommy. I'm so strong.
0: There's a verse about that, by the but, way. But,
1: yeah. But the idea is, as I said, that's kind of how God is for us, you know? So it's like when we accept Jesus, a hundred things happen, you know, At that more than that. Sean put a number to it. I'm just exaggerating. Uh, a lot of things happen at the moment 90% of salvation. stats are made up on the moment. <laughs> that's right. Mo- Even that one. 99% <laughs> of my stats are made up on the moment. And that is not, um, <laughs> that's not made up. Um, so, but basically all this stuff happens where like you become gods and God, like is the spirit dwells in you and you can't like unattach God from you when you truly believe him. And so in those times, like I've noticed in my life and those moments when I feel far away from God, it's me letting go of God. It's that I haven't been connected to God for whatever reason, because I've been going through a hard time because I've been busy or, you know, whatever reason that I've made in my life that I have gotten farther away from God. Like God didn't move. Um, and so that story, like holding on to Jack, like no matter what I'm going through, if I'm trying to let go or something else is pulling me back, like he is still hanging on to me, I have to go back to him. Um, but there's a verse in Psalm 34:18. it says that God's close to the brokenhearted. So when you're going through those really hard storms in your life and it feels like God is a zillion miles away, like my encouragement would be that God is still there and God doesn't move away from us. Um, but it says in James 4, 8, like when you draw close to God, like He draws close to you. And so maybe in the midst of that storm, I know sometimes my tendency is to worry about stuff or to um, have to go and like find somebody to talk to. And sometimes it's the last thing I think I to do to pray or to connect with God in the middle of that hard time. But I know what's best for me is when I go to God first, I draw into Him and then all of a sudden His presence is there. Um, I let other people know they can be praying for me, that power of God goes with me in the middle of that really hard time. And so it's, you know, being in those moments when the storms are all around but stopping and actually listening for him, being still, being quiet, shutting off my mind of worry and, you know, whatever, to listen to what God's saying about it.
0: Yeah, so I also have a few people before we jump on this next piece. So, Joe, what is up, my man? If you just join us, we're answering questions from Sunday. We're down at our lake house on the dock since blue or not I get better signal here, so just a God thing. <laughs> anyway, so if you hear some weird creaking, cracking, it's it's my knee. No, it's it's the dock. If
1: we're going like this on your feet. It's because we actually
0: are. Because <laughs> we really are. <laughs> yes, Jesus was in the boat with the disciples. Dude, come on. There you go. I hope a storm doesn't come. We'd be in trouble. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit was with him. So she's answering the question. Yeah, God is God's there and. um you know, Jesus Jesus holding to you, God the Father's holding to Jesus. Even if you let go and you feel like you're sinking, I'd say God's presence is always closer than you think. I say it's more spiritual than you think. I believe Jesus is close enough to whisper. Um, I think oftentimes we walk through seasons of doubt and frustration and hard things, pain. It's very real and it's difficult. And oftentimes we don't feel God because we're not around the people of God. We're not in the right situation. We're not asking the right questions. Um, don't worry about the typos trust me <laughs> you, <laughs> you probably find some in yeah. my description dying had to prove i head was opinion. literally
1: gone for right. five minutes chasing children
0: so this is psalm 30 psalm 23 right even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death i'll fear no evil thy rod and thy staff they come me you know you know my head with oil my cup overflows like god is with you in your darkest hardest moments like i had a good friend of mine from high school passed away yesterday morning and you see all the you know just a thousand comments on this post and it's it's tragic you know covid uh, she's 36 37 and um you know what do you say you know it's like this is the like the worst moment of your life and it's the greatest moment of god's presence and god's god is with you and so we were just thinking like be be a thermometer not a thermostat you know like your feeling is a thermometer like your feelings are going to go everywhere But like you set your heart on God if you don't feel it. And I think it look at that. (laughs) Five minutes is up again. But think of Job, right? Because there is some times where God doesn't like just give you this greatest peace ever in the world because he wants to see he wants to test your faith. And so even like I would say uh don't doubt in the darkness what God showed you in the light. Like there's moments in your life that you just know God is in there and God is speaking to you. And there's moments where you're like, man, where'd God? Where's God? and uh god didn't leave he knows exactly what he's doing so just trust through those seasons um five more minutes here we go all right
1: next question will god review all of our wrongs when we die even as a believer
0: okay so this is a yes uh go uh she's scrolling past my question i want to question. so will god review all review all our wrongs when we die okay so um so there's in the bible there's a thing called the judgment seat of christ you might have heard of it, called the Bema Seat of Christ. Um, that word Bema means judgment, and so what this is is when we die, we go before God as Christians, as Jesus followers, and He judges all of our works, and He's looking at our life, and that's a place where we get rewarded for the things we did well, and then we look over the things maybe we didn't do so well, the sin in our life, or missed opportunities. And I want to make sure you know this: like you're not your your salvation is already concluded. Like Jesus. Already died for you, and you're 100% going to heaven. And when you go there, this isn't some like guilt and shame. There's no condemnation in Christ. Like, it's not meant to be some like, you know, whatever to just drag you down. But the reality is, we've been given a stewardship. It's the first thing Adam did. He stewarded the garden, he was in charge of the garden to make sure it was going well. And we have stewardship of our time and of our resources, of our money, our influence. We steward everything around us because God has given it to us. And that's how we see everything. Like this lake house, okay, we opened up twice this last month for retreats. Within the last, yeah, within the last 30 days, yeah, we've had 60 people down here one time and another 15 people from our church. We have had 75 people down here because God's given this this house. And I, I told the guys, I said, I've never been happier to have this open, to see God use people's lives. Three kids came to Christ right by the little fire pit over here. I mean, just because we're available. But, so there's a judgment seat. It's found in Romans 14. that says this, For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. And so then each of you will give an account of himself to God. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while on our body, whether good or bad. So in context, as Christians, this isn't non-believers. This is reserved for Christians that are going to stand for We're talking about the good and the bad and to give account for our lives. So it's it's not there to determine our salvation, it's it's here to determine uh, what's gonna last that fire of judgment, what what was good in our lives, and we get rewarded for our lives. So we give an account, and we sit before God, and we get rewarded based on how faithful we serve Jesus, and that's found in 1 Corinthians 9, 2 Timothy 2, Um, some, some will be rewarded on, we'll all get rewarded on how we obeyed the Great Commission, our victory over sin, how we controlled our tongues these are all verses that like you'll be judged for every idle word that you speak it's a verse um, we receive crowns for different things based on how faithful we serve Jesus uh, they're described in 2nd Timothy 2 2 Timothy 4 James 1 1 Peter 5 Revelation 2 James 1 12 um, that James 1 12 like a crown for enduring um, yeah you talk about hardships in a Christian life right you get a crown for hardships and so I will say too like when you get to heaven right now, it's not the permanent heaven. Because when you get to Revelation, there's a new heaven and a new earth that's being created. And so when you go into heaven at this point, uh, there may be some, some tears. Because the Bible Jesus says he's gonna wipe away all tears. So there's some kind of like, some idea maybe not suffering, but disappointment. Or like, there's a review of things we could have done better or differently. And that, that's a big motivation for me as a leader. I think about all the time how I stand before God by myself. Not with my friends and not with my church and not with uh, any other excuses around me but it's just i'm gonna have to own and take responsibility for my actions isaiah 65 17 says behold i'll create new heavens and new earth the former shall be rem- shall not be remembered nor come into mind and so some interpret this as saying that there's no memory of our earthly lives in heaven but there's another verse in verse 16 it says for the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from our eyes so it's basically saying your memory is not a race, but there's some things in our life. We're not going to live with like all this guilt and shame and condemnation, but we're going to have memory of this world. And um, so our memories will eventually be cleansed, redeemed, and healed and restored. And so we'll be a new heaven, a new earth one day and uh, something to look forward to. So, um, cool. 28 seconds. You took all the time. There you go. Have, oh, Diane's got some boards. What do you got, babe? You Twenty-two seconds. You, you better hit it. it. Fire it up.
1: You already stole mine. Fire business, it up.
0: So okay, Diane's not gonna fire it up. She's no, she's am done. You already put it out. This... Not, <laughs> hashtag marriage. <laughs> oh man. All right. Here's next question. All right. So hey um, if you, hey if you're so, if you're jumping in you're new and you hear the creaking and cracking we're on we're on this dock here and I cover, it's really Central, new. Virginia. Oh, what's up virginia all right we're at the lake of the ozarks here, here's the view this is this is this is how we roll right here if you ever want to come down just put a little message on there and we'll have fun i'll take you out tubing surfing and hiking this is our setup our hiking our hiking uh backpacks that's goal. all right question how can a believer comfort someone and tiny got another good question Grieving the loss of someone close to them but far from God, and dine has nothing. Look at her I face. I know. I was like, you <laughs> took my
1: moment. And you waited for the uh, question. Oh,
0: you... I'm always getting. That's how it goes. That's marriage. All right. Okay, so First Thessalonians four. We got another <laughs> child coming out. She's got a uh, a Camelback and a um, an Amazon, Amazon tablet. Fi- a Fire tablet. So this She's is awesome. She is somewhere. ready. Proverbs thirty one, woman in the making. <laughs> Alright, so first Thessalonians four thirteen, it says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep, those who died. So you may not grieve like the rest of mankind who has no hope. So there is a very real, like different style of grieving for somebody in a family where the person isn't a follower of Jesus. Now I've experienced this personally. I don't know if there's a lot of like words you're going to give spiritually, you know, um, I, I would say a funeral is created for the living and not the dead. Although there's a lot of people, and a lot of religions out there that would do think they're doing something for the dead, like praying for them into heaven or all this different stuff. But the, the funeral is made to comfort those that are left on this side of eternity. And I would say oftentimes more than not, there, there's more salvations at a funeral than any other space or place as a christian leader because so many people are looking for answers and are looking for hope and when you when you're talking to a family that the person most likely to know jesus because we're not the holy spirit and we don't get to determine whether they knew him or not even if somebody says this or this or this you really have no idea because we're not fruit inspectors we can't see the the heart their heart now you can have an inclination of where they stand based upon their life but you don't know for sure like i'm not going to preach somebody into heaven and i'm not going to preach somebody into hell but I think the reality is um, there's different ways of covering people. And so it's just going to go down to stuff you probably already know already, which would be like um, like lead them as a friend, like be there for them, to answer their questions. I would say showing up. You always remember who comes to your funeral, like when you're a family member or somebody grieving. You always remember when somebody shows up. You don't remember much of what anybody tells you. And so I don't think it's about the right words. I think it's about just being present and just being there and being available and, and caring and um, offering them help, um, supporting them financially. Um, pick him up, the Bible says, feel mine a week, pretty much on your shoulder and you walk. There's a situation we're all through now where somebody's passed away and we have to pick them up on our shoulders. Um, and so I know that God's close to them and God's not just close to the person, um, he's close to unbelievers. He wants them to come to repentance. And so God's working their lives. And so we just point them to Jesus in those conversations and not make it about the person who died and so we always respect what the family wants obviously i mean if they don't want to hear the gospel and stuff uh, you're not going to preach the gospel at their family's funeral you know that's just what it is um but in their life you can point them to the greater hope but there is a very deep void you know and there's a lot of reality like we played a video down here called letter from hell and there's people who had people in their family that had died and probably didn't know jesus and they're really upset and just know what to do with it and and it's the reality like jesus preached on hell three percent of his preaching he preached on heaven 10 percent of his preaching so jesus talks a lot about heaven and he actually talked about hell only to a slight group of people that were religious leaders who were being dogmatic about the things of god so but it, it's reality so i don't know if you have any other thoughts on that or maybe you guys have some thoughts um what's up drew i'm gonna get you out here drew right here. That's for you. <laughs> Drew, Drew's, Drew's, Drew's made a vow. He would never ride the jet ski with me. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's good. Do you have any thoughts, babe? How to cover somebody?
1: Um, no, I'm thinking, you know, obviously We've been there. For, We've been yeah, there personally. So. Not making, you know, promises to anybody. Like you said, you don't know, but just being there for people, caring people, honoring their wishes. Um, it's just really a time where you get a really cool opportunity to come alongside somebody and just be, I mean, be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's what Jesus did, you know? Like, he waited for Lazarus to die. Now, you don't get to go be the person to raise them back from, you know, death at the funeral, because that'd be really cool if Jesus would do that. You'd have some, you would
0: have record number <laughs> um, of salvations. Yeah, yeah.
1: attendance, but I think that, you know, Jesus knew that, and you see Jesus wept with them, you know, in different times when they were mourning, and he came alongside, you know, Mary and Martha, and they were, so upset their brother had died they went he went to them you know he was obviously really busy but he took time to stop to go be with the family of his friend who passed away and I think that's a really you know good model to see like what we do and the things we work on can always wait to be there to care and comfort somebody
0: yeah and there's no spiritual words like you're gonna have when you have somebody that's a Christian there's like the hope isn't there you know and and the Bible recognizes that like I said first Thessalonians 4 13 you know like there's a different type of deep grieving because i mean i've got people in my family like they they believe we came out of cesspool nothing and we die we become nothing i don't know what you say to that yeah what do you say to that It's it's just there's not like a there's just no hope in it you know and so it's really just let people let people see your guys' life differently be the bible they read love them and uh you will be surprised when they start opening up to you because it's like, I don't get it, you know? And then I start talking to them. It's an individual kind of response. So, <laughs> Drew, <laughs> that's an inside joke. Um, that's funny. All right, so we got a little bonus round of questions. Feel free to chime in. I know we're kind of going a little deep side. These are bonus questions. So we're getting rid of the timer. We're going to go and throw that in the lake. Whatever. <laughs> my I'm going to give you 30 seconds now. 30 seconds? Out. Oh, man. All right, so there's like a handful of bonus questions. The reason they're bonus questions because it didn't really fit with the questions from Sunday about like what happens. Um, I actually made this one up because I thought it was worth uh, making up. But um, <laughs> I just this is, Sean's re- question. this is my question. I put one in. Um, and it's not fair if you know the answer. But um, anyway, so we'll run through these. Didn't fit from Sunday's questions about beyond this life. So, but this one, it, it does. So, will we recognize people in heaven? Will we recognize our loved ones? I mean, pe- people always say this at funerals, you know, especially family members. Man, I'll see them again. Um, people say, "Oh, they're an angel." That, that's not—that—that's not true. <laughs> you don't come back as an angel. Angels don't become humans. Humans don't become angels. It's a—it's a cute thought, not real. Uh, but we recognize people in heaven. And so, I'll, we talked about earlier about da- about David, and uh, and First Samuel, and how David's infant son dies, and he says, "Hey, I'm going to go to him," and. Um, and how i will go to him but he will can't not come to me so we're assuming we'll be able to see a son in heaven despite the fact he died as a baby think about this luke 16. if you don't know this passage this is a super powerful passage you got abraham lazarus the rich man we're all recognizable after death so and we got some big waves come in <laughs> i feel like ace ventura here snowflakes snowflakes snowflake. all right i'll stop so at the transfiguration here you got moses and elijah who obviously well, Moses died. Elijah, he got the whole translation, translated to heaven thing, so he was good. Uh, but they're recognizable in Matthew 17. And so this question kept my life group, and I had, like, I had to process this question. But you, you, you recognize people that, are, that are, have died, even though they've come back from the dead. Uh, examples Bible gives indicate that we recognize people after they're dead. Um, the Bible declares that we arrive in heaven, we'll be like him. This is Jesus. For we shall see him as he is. So we're going to recognize Jesus as he was here on earth. Um, matter of fact, when Jesus came back, he didn't he have Thomas put his fingers in the holes in his hands and the, his hand into the spear, uh, slit on his side. And so just our earthly bodies are made from Adam. Thank you. Uh, so our resurrected bodies will be just like Christ. And so we don't exactly know what we're going to look like, but the Bible's pretty clear that we're going to recognize people. Uh, it says in just as we have borne likeness of earthly man, so we shall bear likeness of man from heaven. For the perishable man clothed himself in the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, 1 Corinthians 15. So many people recognize after Jesus' resurrection and his glorified body. And so, yeah, so it's pretty clear we're going to see and recognize people in heaven. Now, whether we're going to be a little slimmer and trimmer and uh, wearing white robes and have halos, that's up for debate. So I'm holding this uh, iPad. So there you go. My hand is going numb. I love it. All right. All right, Jamie, this is the moment you're waiting for. Are angels saved? So it seems like the capable of saying due to Satan and the fallen angels, but does that mean they need salvation or is is it even possible for them? It seems like God cast them out of heaven without a way back. Alright, so there's not a lot, there's a, there's, there's a doctrine called angelology, okay, and you study of angels, and it's, it's, you can't, it's hard to make a complete doctrine out of what's said, because the Bible was meant for us and not for angels, and so, the, like, God doesn't give us a bunch of details, um, so angels obviously are different than humans, different type of creation, different class of creation, um, their purpose was to, to ministry of the word, dying's doing her hair, um, you, can't you can't help it, um, you can't help it, um, long as you're not your nose. Um, but they worship God, they're messengers to us. You know, there's a Bible, there's name, Gabriel, Michael, Lucifer was an angel before he fell. And this question has to do with the fallen angels, like Lucifer and all the demons that were actually angels. If you look up in Isaiah, they were cast out of really God's presence and they were sentenced basically to death in hell. Um, and so there was this, can they be redeemed is the question. So it's a kind of a deeper question and maybe not a mainline question, but um, so here's some, here's some thoughts. I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll speculate Hebrews 2 16, the son, this is Jesus did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. I mean, that seems pretty clear that he's, he's not doing ministry to improve or make a way for angels and nowhere in angels do you see that they have souls like humans have souls, and obviously angels are like, do they need a soul because they don't need a body? So, do they need a soul, right? So, is there something to actually redeem? You know, Second uh, Peter two four says this: for if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, look what he says: but cast them into hell, and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment. And so, I mean, all things to point, just from what you can speculate, that they don't have a salvation story. Or, redemption story that they made their choice.
1: Jared wants to know why were
0: they cast out? Why were they cast out? Because they sinned. And Lucifer wanted to be like God, and so they were cast out. They rose up against God, and it didn't take much for him to throw them out, you know? And what passage was that again? May I have to look it up. It's Isaiah. Diane, <laughs> give ask me a give me. A, ask the Google. This is the Google. It's a really famous passage. It's actually mentioned in other places too. We'll wait for this answer. Oh, that's an interesting question coming up. Yeah, there's a lot on You can look up angelology. If you go to, like, gotquestions.org, you can look up stuff, too, like about angels. Um, did you find it, honey? No.
1: Well, I mean, so there's one in Isaiah 14. It's kind of a poem about Satan. It says in Isaiah 14:12, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning, which is what Lucifer means. You've been thrown down to the earth for you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. And so, and then it says, instead you'll be brought down to the place of the dead. So not even he was trying to be like God. He was trying to be above God and be I'll better than God. He was trying to rule over the whole world in creation. Which then God said, now you get to rule over the world until I destroy it. So... Yeah,
0: but yeah. It's in Isaiah
1: 14.
0: Yeah, so they, they have so angels obviously have free will, they make their own choices, they're not necessarily robots. Um, so Isaiah 14 13 is, is the verse, you know, and there's more to it than just that, but yeah, they sinned against God, and so he, he did destroy them and uh kind of lets them have a little peace, but one day they're thrown into a lake of fire, you find a revelation. And so that's pretty much their their story. Like he didn't send Jesus to redeem them. So um, so when you go to heaven again, is it gives them possible angels fall again? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think we have an answer to that one. So it's not really like the Bible's not really written with that intention to know everything there's not a lot, you know, about angels. You know, there's like a hierarchy of angels. Certainly... There it is. Yeah. Welcome to the Ozarks. It's, it's really just the muffler. There's not much of an engine there. It's just a small little boat. <laughs> no, so there's like a hierarchy of angels. Um, like the, like the, an, arch, archangel. an archangel, um, the sound of the trumpet, the archangel. You know, like Michael's an archangel. Gabriel. Gabriel's an archangel. I mean, all the ones are named actually are archangels. It's Lucifer was. Lucifer was. So he's like a leader of angels. But yeah, I mean, we could do some more questions on that. Um, can they fall again? I think the theory is they can, but if they would have, they probably would have. Yeah. But they can make their own choices. So, I don't know. I'll, I'll let you know in a uh, in a millennia or two or something. <laughs> um, nice view, good answer. I love you, Jared. All right. How would you explain the training to a youth non-believer?
1: Um, well, <laughs> the first thing that came to mind on this was I wouldn't. Um,
0: <laughs> okay, which, so no, explain which that. Which is terrible. So no, it's not terrible. it's not terrible. It's not terrible. If um, there's a non-believer and yes. a teenager...
1: If Why I'm, would you be explaining the transcript? If I'm talking to a young person who is not a believer in Jesus, I think that it's easy to get caught up in like different doctrines or like proving the Bible and that kind of stuff. But yeah. really like the most important thing that I would want to tell somebody who's not a believer is my story of God's redemption for me. Like God made a huge difference in my life and sharing that is going to be instrumental in helping them to see who Jesus is, what he did and what he can do in their life. Um, now, if you're saying in terms of like I'm talking to a young person who is seriously searching for their faith or doubting and they want, you know, more information about it, that would be a different question. But if it's just I want to explain this high concept to a young person who doesn't know God, like I probably wouldn't start there.
0: That's yeah, <laughs> if, if, if it's a sincere question, because like, man, I just I would I, I believe Jesus, but I can't get past the Trinity. Okay. <laughs> then which I've never had that question saying, 10
1: years of youth ministry and that never came up as the first level but, 15
0: years of full time ministry I've yeah. never, I've actually never had anybody ask me a question sincerely about their faith in the Trinity another big boat what is going on here all right but here's how I would explain it so if they're searching for their faith you want to answer how to answer the question I, w- I would say okay here, here's the essence of the Trinity there is one God Okay, and he's expressed himself in three distinct persons. Okay, And so they're the same essence in three distinct personalities. So I'm gonna give you a couple of illustrations, all of which are flawed, so don't tear apart my illustrations. One is an egg. An egg has three parts, but it's still an egg. It's got a shell, it's got the, the, the white part, help me out. Um, the white? The white, just the egg white, that was hard. <laughs> so you can tell I'm a master of eggs. And it's got a yolk. Thank you. <laughs> Why did that have to be so easy? All right, so three parts of the egg. Same thing for an apple. It's got the skin, it's got the apple mush, <laughs> whatever. The fruit, and then it's got the seed. But the best illustration that's a little closer is right here, and I keep, I'm newbie. right there. Water, there you go. Water, water is, is the same thing, but you can have in three forms. Solid, liquid, and gas. It's always H2O. It's always H2O. It. Expresses itself different ways. Expresses itself different, different ways, but G. But they're not three individual forms, so it falls apart. Yeah. And so there's a diagram you can draw. Like we put God in the middle. Say, here's God, circle it, and they put is is not Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but that is God. You can look it up. It, it, it's. But ultimately, bottom line is, our thoughts aren't God's thoughts. That's why he's the supreme being and we're not. It's The Trinity is very, like, a difficult theology to grasp, even for those who have been following Jesus for most of their lives. Like, how do you explain all these little pieces? You really can't, like. But they're all subordinate to know, like, the Father. The, like, Jesus is sub, subordinate to the Father, and the Holy Spirit is subordinate to Jesus. They'll have different works in creation, different things they do on earth. The Holy Spirit restrains sin. He dwells people. matter of fact, Jesus actually, um, comes into our lives as well um nobody sees the father but you see jesus so when you see jesus you have seen the father according to jesus if you know what the father looks like just look at jesus because he's a perfect picture of the father but they're just different expressions and different relationships and so
1: the trinity itself is unique like in our space and time there's not an example of it that perfectly is illustrating something else because god like i was Probably college, and they had this like impossible exam, and that was one of the questions. Get out of here! <laughs> um, it was like you know, quick, but basically, it was like explain the Trinity, give three examples. You know, like as a joke of being the impossible exam, because there's not another example that totally perfectly explains it, and it's one of those aspects of faith to understand that God made it that way so that He could best know us.
0: That's just God. That's just God. That's just God. All right. So Diane's answer, I wouldn't. I love that answer. How would you explain the Trinity to somebody who's not a believer? I don't know why. Alright. Um I love this question. It's so innocent. It's such a great question. When I pray for multiple people, should I say multiple prayers or pray for all of them in one prayer? What do you guys think? Should you should you should you pray for them individually or pray for them all in the same prayer? Um, yeah, first first thing is um, Ryan. Brian Johnson Dude, sup mm-hmm. Ryan I like that, sup um, Yeah, so we're down by Lake House both. <laughs> Jared Jared. Both. There you go Jared Good answer. So Yeah, do we pray Do we, if We're praying for somebody or a group of people Do we pray individually or as a whole Yeah, both, that is the perfect answer So Jesus gave us a model of prayer Matthew 6, what's really cool about this By the way, and it's probably the biggest Takeaway, is that the way that jesus led is a lot different than we as christians lead today like um we're, we're in the business and in in, at least in our lives and the way i grew up in church is that we like to make we like to like help people be christians but we don't necessarily like help them to be disciples and what i mean by that is like we like want people to know jesus but then we don't train them like jesus trained them. like jesus had a very specific method of training And uh, it was like apprenticing and like immersion. And so his disciples, this is mind-blowing if you really think about this, literally were immersed with Jesus. So if Jesus was roofing your roof or if he was working with uh, Ryan right now and doing whatever, he'd just be with Jesus. He was a rabbi and you would follow the rabbi and learn everything you could from the rabbi. And so what's happening is, is that Jesus is just being Jesus. He is praying. He is spending all night praying before he picked the disciples. He is praying in and out. He's pulling himself away and training these guys, showing them how to live. And out of that, literally, he was praying, and the disciples interrupt him and say, how how do you pray, Jesus? So crazy. Because it wasn't like a message on one Sunday morning, like I learned about prayer. Almost lost you in the water. But it was just, they were modeling from him. And in that model, when Jesus gives us the perfect model of prayer, this is how it says. "He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. And we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil one. And so in this model of prayer, th- there's no specifics Unlike, do you pray for individuals, pray for groups? So the answer to both is absolutely right. I'd say just go as God leads. You won't mess it up. I mean, if you... If it, it, you prayed
1: yeah you can't pray the wrong way you can't say the wrong word you can't you know pray too much for one thing and you know for one person to know God or anything like that like it's
0: just it's what it is um, so yeah hey Victoria I see your stuff on here we'll reach out to you
1: yeah I think she reached out last week too so uh, okay. send us a I, message and yeah. we'll, our team will get back to you Yes,
0: yeah, so I'll have some of my team reach out to you I've got your stuff right here I'll look it up I, sorry sorry I don't know. I, I uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll have a lady on my team reach out to you and and try to help. Yeah, it's more about the heart than the words. That's perfect, right? Yeah, it's a, absolutely. Yeah, matter of fact, the Bible goes on to even say that God is praying on our behalf for things that we don't even know to even pray. The Holy Spirit's groanings are speaking. And so, like, it, it's the heart behind it. The fact that you want to pray for these people is just like the biggest thing. A lot of times prayer is just aligning our hearts with the heart of God. And so that kind of goes into uh, the second last question. How do you know God is answering prayers even though I don't see it? Um, yeah, that's tough because oftentimes we pray, we, we want to see like an immediate result. And I will say God is always answering your prayers. So it's either like a no, a yes, or not yet. God hears our prayers and God is listening and he wants us to talk to him. But I would say prayer is almost, just as significant about us aligning our hearts with him as it is about what god is going to do um because when we're praying we're, we're actually receiving something for god we're confessing stuff to god we we are um giving him adoration we're like calling um, out his goodness and his grace and his mercy and we're like aligning ourselves back into his will like we're we are reconciled to god like god's not reconciled to us like we're bringing ourselves back into alignment and so when you're praying like you're aligning your heart with god and so, oftentimes, it's like, "Oh, I didn't see God do this thing." Like, it's not some prosperity gospel. Like, He's not a genie. Like, He's not going to just do something because you want Him to do it. And so, that's why we always pray. Like, if it's your will, be done, um, then this happens. And so, we don't we don't determine the will of God. Yeah, not yet. Yeah, we don't like that answer. right? <laughs> um, but yeah, we've been praying for a lot of stuff, and it may not happen on this side of eternity, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of people who were praying for through COVID and it, and it, God didn't answer the prayer. We thought the way it should be answered, you know, but we don't understand the whole piece. You actually come back next week. Why do bad things happen to good people plug for next week? Um, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit's praying on our behalf as well and knows what to pray. And so we just trust like what's happening is the God's will. Um, chastity sent you a message. All right. Thank you, chastity. um, and then we have the faith that God's working all things for his good. And so, you know, the idea is you if you're trying to feel God's presence, then I would say put yourself in the right place. And sometimes you have to just wait on God. But when you wait on God, it doesn't mean you just sit there and do nothing. This idea of waiting on God is I'm seeking him. I'm And the Bible says seek for his face, like Psalm 27. And so you're searching for him. You're looking for him. You're around the people of God. You're asking these kind of questions. And you're get some encouragement in that but the reality is like god will reveal himself to you in the ways that when and how he wants to so you just trust every moment is in the middle of god's will because you put yourself under him i'll give you a real long answer to that do you have any thoughts on that honey yeah. no i missed the middle that's all right the answer is three that's what yep. Dino always says that's what your dad says that is what my dad says. all right last question this is a question from the prior week somebody snuck in last minute did get a chance to answer it this one is probably one of the most intriguing questions What's up, Alan or mom? Because they share an account. That's what that's what young people do. Um, <laughs> I love you. Um, shout out to mom or Alan. Uh, last question. This is actually a really interesting question. I actually learned a lot when I studied for this question. But was Jonah truly a Christian or a follower of God, since he would have known Jesus back in the Old Testament? Um, he, this person wrote, he deliberately disobeyed God a lot as sometimes Jonah was a false prophet telling King Jeroboam the opposite of what the, of what prophet Amos was saying. At the end of the book of Jonah, he never seemed to learn his lesson and repent was he really a God follower? Okay, so Jonah is a very, very interesting story and, um, I'm just going to go, I'm going to give the answer, I'm going to tell you why I think that. Alright. Or chime in and tell me what you think. Oh, it's mom. Hey, hi mom! Yeah, we're at the lake living our dream. Alright, so Jonah was actually a type of Christ, and that's actually from Christ himself. A type of Christ is like something about that person, picture something about Jesus, okay? So Joseph was a type of Christ, uh, that's, and the only reason we know that is because it's actually said, well, Jonah was a type of Christ. Jesus actually said this himself. He, he said this about Jonah, Matthew 12. He said, then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered saying, hey, masters, tell them that Jesus... What, we would see a sign from you, but he answered and said to them, an evildoer in a generation seeks after a sign. He's like, you don't need a sign. But there shall be a sign given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Talking about the, the sign of the, of the prophet Jonah. And so what particular sign was he talking about? So if you go down, the sign is made clear, verse 40, okay? So let's go, let's go there, Matthew 12, 40. For us Jonas, this is Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. This is the fish, the fish in the Greek. And so shall in the same fashion, the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so Jonah actually pictured what Jesus was going to do. When Jesus died on the cross, he was dead for three days and three nights and resurrected from the dead. Jonah was in the belly of the whale, the fish for three days and three nights it was a type of Christ. Like, he pictured what Jesus was going to do. Jonah lived 800 years before Jesus. And what you got to understand about Jonah is, because I think a lot of people be like Jonah. I think a lot of people are like Jonah. Like, we know what God wants us to do. I'm often do hear that. I know God's calling me to, but, or I finally said yes after 10 years. I mean, it happens all the time. And so, um, I don't know, we're all real hard on Jonah, but Jonah had a really hard call. So Jonah was sent to the Gentiles. Most of the prophets in the Old Testament Okay, we're sent to, the, to like the nation of Israel, which was at some points divided to like Jude, Jude, the northern and southern kingdom. And so most of the prophets you read are sent to actual, the chosen people of God that are supposed to be the leaders of the cause of God. And so it's a lot different. Where Jonah was sent to like a completely secular, like these people worshiped everything else besides the, the, the God of the Bible, the God we serve. And so he's sent to the Syrians. Now you got to get some context here because the Assyrians were like ruthless murderers. And so like Jonah's grandparents would have been marched off and killed by the Assyrians and the Assyrians were known for skinning their enemies and hanging their bodies outside of their cities to warn people that that's not going to put up with anything. And so Jonah would have been a completely, are there prophets today? Uh, Quick answer. No, but there's a gift of prophecy. Like the understanding of like you have a, idea of the future not that you know the future but like you have the gift of discernment that was a good question from kristen but so he went to the Syrians, which would have been a real per, it'd been like going to um, yeah,
1: i've heard it illustrated like a jew going to nazi germany
0: to yeah say like hey go. god
1: loves you you know right in the middle of like world war ii when you know you're gonna get killed and or just one
0: generation them. later yeah like go, go go to nazi germany that'd be a, if the nazis are still in rain yeah and then march in so like when he is like running from god I mean, it's just every bit of human nature being pulled against him. Now, here's what's really cool about Jonah. I learned this. If, if you're, like, into Bible knowledge, this is really cool. So Jonah actually ties a lot more in the Bible than we probably even know. So when you talk about Peter, okay, Peter goes to Mount Transfiguration. He sees Elijah. He sees Moses. He comes down, and he asks, Jesus asks the question, who do men say I am? And they start saying, well, you this, this, and this. And Peter says, hey, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to, to Peter, he says, hey, for it's not— flesh and blood revealed to you but it's our father in heaven simon bar jonah isn't that crazy si- simon's surname is simon bar jonah which means it's like which peter son of jonah like peter's dad was jonah like not jonah in the old testament jonah but named after the old testament prophet jonah so you get to understand this peter was born like two miles from where jonah where, where jonah lived where jonah was born Jonah was the only prophet from Galilee. Now, I know we're getting a lot of fun. I'm at the airport back. Okay, nice. I love it. Have a good flight or drop somebody off. Um, but jo- so Jonah was the only prophet from Galilee. Only the prophets from different places. And so he, everybody that was most disciples besides Judas would have been born and raised within a few miles of where Jonah was born and did his ministry. And so when Jesus did his first miracle and turned water into wine, it'd been probably a mile away from where Jonah would live. So Jonah was like a a staple name as a follower of God in that time period. And so Peter actually is tied back to Jonah, which I thought was really cool. And then this is where it really gets cool. So Peter, after Jesus ascends to heaven, he died, resurrected, he goes to heaven. Peter preaches some messages, Acts 2, Pentecost, all this stuff. And then at that point, the gospel is only being preached in synagogues. It's only being preached to uh, the Jewish people. That's how it went. The gospel went from Jerusalem, Judea, and to the utmost parts of the earth, Acts 1.8. And so Peter, at that time, all the Christians or pastors and leaders only preaching and bringing the gospel to Jewish people. Peter gets a vision of Cornelius. He gets this. He goes out to the city named Joppa on the coast. Well, Joppa is where Jonah left when he ran from God. So, so Peter shows up. He talks to cornelius he has this vision If you remember this vision about the sheep with the four corners has different animals on there it's crazy to think Joan is more realistic in adult kind of way rather than the kind of cartoons dude swallowed by a fish there, there's there's yeah, dude so true i read it okay i saw an article this is like i'm off track three months ago a dude got swallowed by a killer whale killer whale lived in the killer whale for like three hours and then came out the killer whale and was rescued. True story, just happened 2021. Now, there is some debate if jo- Jonah died in the whale and then resurrected on the third day. There is there is an argument for it, not saying it's popular, but you can be, 12 by fish. But, so so Jonah, where was he at? Joppa, so the vision, okay, so the vision of the sheep was like for these animals okay and in jewish custom you can't eat certain animals you can't eat pork you can't eat they're unclean and it's based on this old testament so law Le- leviticus yeah like hooved animals so if they're like split hooved animals are unclean you, you seafood. could seafood you yeah like anything that's shell, with shell or... yeah without a shell so there's always rules in the jewish tradition and, and culture from the law of the old testament and so this vision comes down from heaven to the with all these animals and god says eat these food And just like Jonah, Peter says, no, I'm not gonna eat these animals. I'm not gonna do these things. And what it was, it was a symbol because like the rest of us Gentiles, we didn't follow the Jewish customs. And so what happened is it was basically like saying, we want the gospel to go past the Jewish people. This is the initiation of the gospel going to all people in the world. And so just like Jonah refused to go to the people of the world, to the secular culture, to the Gentiles, now we have Peter not wanting to go to the Gentiles. So Peter, he goes back to Jerusalem. He tells all the church friends and the leaders and says, hey, um, what am I supposed to do with this? I think the guy wants to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Like, no, 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 no. There's no way we're going to the Gentiles. And then he explains everything that happened. They said, that's surely from God. Now that God's going to the Gentiles. And all of a sudden, the rest of the book, the Acts, the gospel goes out away from Jerusalem because it goes to Gentiles, just like Jonah brought the gospel to Gentiles and by the way, it's really cool. The gospel didn't go north, didn't go west, it didn't go south. It went directly east, the same direction Jonah went to Tarsus. Just saying, crazy correlation. So when you say, was, was Jonah a Jesus follower or was Jonah a follower of God? I mean, I, I think you could dogmatically say he was a follower of God. I think, I don't think he'd be a type of Christ. I don't think there's any types of Christ that weren't followers of God. But I think Jonah maybe is a good picture of why the Bible's real, because there's real people that struggle yeah. and real people that don't. Um, always do it right. I mean that's probably most of us most of the time. Yeah
1: and you think about like the really hard thing that Jonah was called to do it's a lot easier now to like look at um, like the Sean. Um, But I mean us as believers today, I think it's really easy to look a certain way and even to look like a follower of Jesus doing good deeds. But a lot of those things that people do are just out of selfishness. They're out of pride. They're trying to build their own kingdom. You see that with, like, you know, pastors who fall or high Christian leaders who, you know, just aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing for the right reasons. And so it's hard for us to, like, search the heart of Jonah to really know what it was that was keeping him from following God in that
0: thing. Dude, that's that's money, dude. Like, you do, you do the you do the wrong things for the wrong reason. But some people do the right thing for the wrong reason. Yeah. There's a lot of people that like want to do things because they want the accolade, the, mm-hmm. the shoot. I mean, so who are we to judge, you know? Um, but Jonah definitely um, yeah. did a lot of things right too, mm-hmm. and I mean, you got <laughs> you know, he
1: eventually cut to Nineveh, even though he was kind of a you he know, made it kind there. Of bitter about he it. was
0: sour. He was sour, <laughs> um, but you know, God uses it, and there's seasons where you know. We, we, we just kind of endure and, and we don't maybe agree with it because it's so much harder than we thought we could do. I mean, some of you people, some, some of us had to forgive people who wronged us in really extreme emotional and deep ways. And it doesn't seem fair. I mean, I, I can't ever forgive that monster, all this stuff. And that's what Jonah was struggling with. So, but I hope that helped give some context to it. Last question somebody asked, and obviously I have no answer to this question. It's great. Can we fish on the river of life in heaven? (laughs) I don't know. I hope so. It would be fun, but I don't think we we were going to kill any animals. But it would be pretty funny. So, anyway, appreciate you guys jumping on here. Appreciate the questions. I'll get a hold of you guys. You left some comments, uh, some follow-up. And so, God bless, guys. Have a great week. And we'll see you Sunday as we jump into why do bad things happen to good people. Say bye-bye. Say (laughs) bye-bye. All right. See you guys. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another inspirational podcast. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.